fly. Don't even believe God wants us to have a good time in this house. I do. You know, I, I actually believe that when Jesus said that he came to bring the good news, good news means good time. Amen. In fact, Peter even said that, uh, that he said that if we would uh, repent, the Bible says that he would send seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. I, I really believe that. I, I know that a lot of people have been raised to think that Christian service is just about suffering the crucified life and dying to self. We just, I, I don't know, I, I've heard so much of that all my life and I, I actually just kind of got depressed. <laughs> you know, because I, I didn't realize that God actually really wanted us to enjoy life. Amen. I, how many believe that? He really wants us to enjoy life. And, and I want to tell you why He wants you to enjoy life. And by the way, we're going to come around to the missions office. By the way, let me just thank all of you guys for just giving and serving and, uh, I don't know about you, but I just find that God just loves to bless His people. And, you know, when we give, whether it's our tithes and offerings, I don't know about you, I love the windows of heaven being opened up in my life. And when we obey the Lord in our tithes and offerings, God really blesses us. He really touches us and He blesses us. In fact, He wants your life to really prosper. And a prosperity isn't just all about Lots and lots of money in the bank. All over, praise God. The Lord said, "If you want that." Amen. But uh, prosperity is so many other ways. It's, it's, it's. I think also it's just have a healthy marriage. It's have a healthy home or family. Uh, uh, to me, the greatest prosperity, the greatest blessing I can have is having my kids serve God. I, I don't know about you, but having my kids in the house of the Lord, serving the Lord on fire for the Lord, to me, that is just nothing better than having your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren serving the Lord. And that's that's the blessing and the inheritance of a believer as we serve God. And so I want to just, amen, I want to just say that to us this morning. The good, good news is really good. And I think we need to continually... Remember that. I so appreciate Cherie's testimony this morning. She got up here and that woman just kind of got excited in Tom Thumb. How many of you know it's okay to get anointed and blessed in Tom Thumb? Hey man, you might be in the meat section or the grocery section or the ice cream section. Wherever it's at. I believe the Holy Spirit can be poured out on you at any time in any place. In fact, my wife and I, we were coming out of the athletic club here a week ago and a guy literally comes up to me. A stranger, I had no idea who he was. It just says, "I got to talk to you," you know. And he had a rack. He had about three racquetball rackets, and I used to play racquetball. Used to past ten, but uh, he. Uh, I thought he was going to ask me for a racquetball game. He says, "Can I talk to you?" By the way, what do you do for a living? I said, "Well, I'm a pastor. That's why I need to talk to you," you know. And of course, I already shared the testimony how it led to a McDonald's little cup of coffee and. I was able to pray with him, and at the end of our prayer time, and just I just kind of gave him some real simple, basic counsel, uh, some things going on in his finances, his family. Here was a guy who was raised in church. He had uh, some kind of a connection with God. I, I honestly really don't know if he was truly born again or not. But I know that when we left, he, he just had tears coming down his face, and he, I prayed with him in McDonald's, and he's praying, following my prayer, he's praying with me. He's really praying loud. But at the end of the prayer, 
the presence of God came upon that guy in such a way he, just, he, he was just touched by the power of God's presence. You know, it's amazing when we get into alignment, when, when we begin to recognize the knowledge. And we, we come, you know, Hosea said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. When we come to understand what Jesus has really provided for us, we begin to live the life that God expected us to live. God expected you and me to live an abundant life. The kind of life that would be exceedingly abundantly above. The kind of life that intended for you to be the head and not the tail. Now, I know some of us walk through seasons where we actually feel that the Bible is a contradiction to what, the way we're really living. But I want you to understand that we need to start looking at life through different lenses. We need to start looking at life through a different lens. And instead of seeing as a problem, seeing problems as setbacks, we need to start seeing these things where God delights uh, to be glorified in those situations. Uh, God loves to glorify Himself. That's why Paul had this revelation one day when he said, When I am weak, then I am strong. In fact, he even went so far to the Corinthians to say, I have become a fool in your eyes because I glorify God in the things that I'm weak in because His grace is made perfect in weakness. Amen? So God God wants us to realize that that that's what it means to be more than conquerors. That means you can't be defeated. Praise God, Ray. Good preaching. Praise God. i got to... Encourage myself up here. How are we here this morning? Praise God. We are saved. I want to tell you something. I believe a spirit-filled house is a rocking house. It's the kind of house that's just kind of shaking the timbers. And, uh, you know, in the, in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Bible says the building was shaken. And it made such a commotion that the entire community in the book of Acts, it talks about that people were flocking because of the transformation that was taking place in our lives, the lives of the early church. And that's the same spirit that God wants us to have in our lives. You are attractive. You are powerful. You have a word that can set the captives free. Do you believe that? It is, it is God's word. It's, it's the inheritance of the saints. You know, this morning I felt like the Lord speak to me on a, on a word. I'm going to get right into it. I want you to jump with me in your Bibles to the book of Hosea, chapter 3 this morning. I want to talk to you about the power of the blood of Jesus. The power of the blood. Amen. How many of you are thankful for the blood of Jesus? Peter says, in fact, it's the only place, and I've done a lot of study on the blood, but Peter says that the blood of Jesus is more precious than gold or silver. Now, isn't that amazing? It's kind of a paradox and even a contradiction, I think, because they know that blood, when blood comes out of the body, actually, blood easily uh, can become contaminated, defiled, and it can degenerate very fast. But in, in reality, uh, gold and silver... In fact, uh, uh, Vince, I w- went out to lunch with Vince this past week, and he showed us uh, a picture, maybe some of you saw this on the news, where a, a gentleman in San Francisco in his backyard found 1,400 pieces of gold coins. Then been in his ba- How would you like to have a backyard like that? 
Lord, send me a backyard. Amen. Uh, uh, like Vince said, uh, it makes you want to go out and want to buy a, 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 a metal detector, see if there's anything back there. But th- th- this guy finds these gold coins. You know, it's, it's kind of uh, encrusted with dirt and rocks and gravel, but they're in great condition, and I guess the guy's going to try to auction them off. But, but gold and silver <clears throat> doesn't deteriorate. It doesn't break down. But Peter, in his description of the blood of Jesus said that the blood of Jesus being precious, more precious than gold or silver. The the interesting thing about it is that the blood of Jesus outlasts gold and silver. The blood of Jesus is more precious. The value of the blood, not just because of of certain things, but because of the value and the, the significance it plays in, in, in our relationship and our walk with God in, in how we stand and where we stand before the Lord. There's power in the blood and what it does. The Bible says, Revelations 12, that the saints come by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. There's significance in the blood. And it's we need the blood. We need to understand the significance of the blood and what Jesus did for us at the cross. Amen? But I want to go back into the Old Testament under an old system. And you all know the story, many of you, but let's go back into the book of Hosea. This is an amazing story. It's a story not so much about how God's people had degenerated and had fallen into depravity and into spiritual and moral decadence, but it's about a people who God... Uh, is seeking to reach out and restore. And he takes a man by the name of Hosea. He's a prophet. He lived during the days of Uzziah the king. In fact, Uzziah, during his rule, he was the uh, king of the southern kingdom, and he was a king who, in fact, many scholars believe he was the one who actually invented the first catapult. How many of you know what a catapult is? In fact, in the book of 2 Chronicles, it said that Uzziah was this industrious, ingenious fella. He actually developed what they, were, what they called weapons of battle or weapons of war. He was a very industrious kind of a guy. He, he invented things, and he, uh, he was the one who made these uh, c- certain kind of bows. It actually gives some passages that, that talks about the, the throwing of stones, and many scholars believe, like I said, he invented the first fireball-throwing catapult. Kind of an interesting thing. And Uzziah was a, was a king who led Israel into some very prosperous, successful years. But while they were prospering, and they, were got, they got all caught up in just making money and making materialism and Uh, They got involved into their success and buying and selling. In fact, the the book of Hosea, there's a lot of similarities with America. Because while they were prospering outwardly, internally, they were failing and they were falling apart internally. Because Israel had begun to uh, succumb to immorality, uh, immoral, immoral perversion was rampant around the nation. Uh, they were, there was covenant breaking. People were breaking covenant. People in political places of power were oppressing the poor. Israel had become casual 
in their, in their walk with the Lord and, and the fear of the Lord, they, they become casual in their thinking towards the things of God. And so Hosea became this prophet or teaching priest who was ministering to people who could just care less about what God had to say. Because part of the reason is when they were prospering and doing well, they basically said, I don't need God. Why do I need God? I'm doing well. I'm prospering. I'm doing well. In fact, many of them were cheating. They were stealing. The Bible refers to how they oppressed the stranger. They oppressed the widow. They oppressed the poor. There was usury. There was all sorts of things. And so uh, Hosea, as, as this holy man of God, as he is, he is preaching and teaching. And finally, the word of the Lord comes to Hosea. We find this in chapter 1 of verse 2. In Hosea, I'm just kind of giving you an overview on this. God tells Hosea to do something that probably would shock most of us today. Uh, God tells Hosea, Hosea, I know you're a covenant man. I know you're a holy man. You've been my servant. You've been a, a messenger of the message that I've asked you to preach. But he says, the problem with my people is they cannot hear. Amen. How many here have ever had a problem with hearing before? I've had a problem with hearing at times. I thought I was hearing from God, but and I just, I just kind of got uh, dull of hearing. Things come and go and really wouldn't take things to heart. Well, God tells Hosea, Hosea, instead of preaching the message, I'm going to cause you to become the message. And so God tells him to do something that's amazing. He says, I want you to go out. I want you to go into the worst part of the city. I want you to go out where holy men of God usually don't go. I want you to go into the slums, into the places of decadence and degeneration, and I want you to find a prostitute. I want you to find a woman who's in the sex slave industry, who's trafficking the sex business, and I want you to find this girl. I don't want you to just pay for a one-night stand. I want you to find this woman, and I want you to marry her. Now, how many of you would want to run to the altar for that, that kind of a thing? Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard that kind of a word, uh, God, you've been telling me to preach righteousness, stand for holiness, and declare the right ways of God, and remind the people that they're a covenant people. God tells Hosea, to go down into the rough side of town, find a prostitute, and I want you to take her before your city officials, and I want you to tie the knot, enter into a covenant with this woman, Hosea. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I would need a lot of grace for that kind of a message. Now, how, you, do, you know, do you know, may I say this, do you know that God never asks you to do something that He doesn't give you the grace to do? So you know what this tells me about Hosea the prophet? That this guy had to have a lot of grace in his life. Because he does it. Now I don't know about you, but it, it would take me a lot of grace just to marry a woman whose name was Gomer, let alone marrying a prostitute. Gomer. Because he finds a prostitute, her name is Gomer. And he finds this woman, oh by the way, and the Lord also completes the message, and he says a little more, he says, by the way, when you marry the woman... I not only want you to marry her, but I want you to have children with her. And oh, by the way, Hosea, after you've married her, you started your family, guess what she's going to do? She's going to leave you. I'm just letting you know ahead of time, Hosea, what's going to happen. Any candidates out there still have a call of God on their life? Amen. Praise God. Well, so he does. 
He does what the Lord says. Do you know, folks, do you know this, this is a great break here to stop and let us kind of insert something. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, by the way. We need the Holy Spirit because sometimes God's going to ask us to do things that are just kind of out of our mind. and It's almost like, well, Lord, you're asking me to do something that's going to set me up uh, and so, uh, for hurt and for harm. But I want you to know there's nothing God asks you to do that He doesn't give you the grace to go through it. And I believe there was an amazing relationship that, that Hosea had with his Lord and God. So he marries the woman. He finds her. She's a harlot. She's a prostitute. She's in the sex trade. And can you imagine what is going on in the minds of the people? Because everyone knows in Samaria, they all know, or in Ephraim, they all know that Hosea is a preacher of righteousness. I wouldn't doubt that some people in their synagogues probably thought, well, you know what, oh wow, Hosea has backslidden. This guy is having a bad day. And he's got to go out, and he goes and he finds a woman in the red light district. But he doesn't just have a one-night stand. He brings her home and marries her. Can you imagine what the people were thinking? They were probably thinking, wow, Hosea has become one of us. After all, we can buy love. We can buy it with money. See, Israel had so succumbed to believing. They had so become so decadent and so lost in their thinking, their value system was so distorted that they completely had lost the whole purpose of relationships. They actually thought you could buy love. They thought that you could buy satisfaction and gratification by buying it. And so people were used to using people. People were used to taking advantage of people. Kind of sound familiar to you? Does it sound familiar at all? People use people. People take advantage of people. Here God tells Hosea, Hosea, I want you to go down, marry the prop, marry the harlot. I want you to take her in your house. He marries her. They have three kids. And then the Lord begins to tell Hosea to name the names after the, 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 the names that, 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 that uh, by and large just identify the relationship that God has with His people. One of them means uh, um, no mercy. Another one means you don't belong to me. Another name means you don't belong to me. And another one means covenant breaker. So God gives, uh, the, the Lord gives Hosea the names of the three children that he was to name his kids. There were two, two sons and one girl. And then Hosea now becomes a single father raising three kids because Gomer doesn't stick around. She leaves. All of a sudden, She's gone for weeks. She's gone for months. She's gone for years. So he's a single father raising three kids by himself. People are shaking their heads. They can't understand how this holy prophet of God, mighty man of God, preaches righteousness, but talking to us, talking to us about God's covenant with His people and how we're, we're, we're His people. And all of a sudden, he goes and marries a harlot. They can't understand it. But here in this picture, by the way, the purpose of the book of Hosea is not to help us see how bad God's people are, but to help us to see how great and good God's love is. That is the real purpose behind Hosea. Because 
God was saying to Hosea, Hosea, I'm going to use you so that, because my people have ears, but they can't hear anymore. So I'm going to use you, and I'm going to ask you to marry this harlot, and, and I'm going to have you marry a woman, and she's going to break covenant. She's going to break her covenant. And she's going to return to the lifestyle that she always knows. But even though she's left you, and she's forsaken you, she's left you with three kids. We come now into chapter 3 in the book of Hosea. Years have gone by, and now the word of the Lord comes to Hosea again. Remember, he's still married to this woman. She hasn't been around. She's been an absent mother. The people of God cannot understand how in the world why Hosea would marry a woman. And the Lord says, because this is what you have done to me. Because I, the Lord, am your husband, and I have been married to you. But you've been like a harlot who have left me. You've forsaken your husband. And here we find in chapter 3, where the Lord begins to speak to Hosea. And he said, then the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. Everyone say, go again. Aren't you thankful that God's love goes again? Go again. I want you to go again, Hosea. I, but this time, years have gone by. And just to give you a little bit of history on this, women in the sex trafficking trade in the Bible days, when a woman went beyond the flower of her youth and she was no longer attractive, she was no longer sellable. She couldn't sell herself anymore. Usually women, they would come into a place when they were much older, they couldn't sell, nobody wanted to buy them. So what they would do is they would go down to the city auction and they would auction themselves off to become someone's permanent slave without money. I'll, I'll work for you for nothing as long as you just put some food on my table so I won't die of starvation. That's where Gomer was. She had sold herself into prostitution to such a degree that nobody wanted her anymore. Her lovers didn't want her. In fact, you, if you read through the book of Hosea, you'll find that there, there, where God begins to say, you will sell yourself to lovers and they will not buy you. They won't want you anymore. But here God says to Gomer, when she sold herself out, sold herself into this lifestyle, God says, Hosea, once you go down to the auction, once you go down to this place, you're going to find a woman who loves a lover. And he goes down there. When he goes down there, he sees a different woman. He finds an older woman. She's not pretty. She's not attractive. She's beyond the years of being able to make a living in the trade that she's been in. And the Lord says to, to, uh, to Hosea, He says, I want you to go again, Hosea. I want you to love her just like the love of the Lord. Notice verse 2, or, or, or verse 1. Who look to the other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. In other words, my people have gone into such idolatry that they have forsaken the Lord their husband. Verse 2 says, So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver. 
and one and one-half homers of barley. And I said to her, You shall stay with me many days, and you shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be towards you. Excuse me. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and a prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillars, <clears throat> without ephod or teraphim. Now this is a prophetic word that God begins to speak. This is concerning the coming Messiah. By the way, this is some 750 years before Jesus would ever be born. But here it says, after the children of Israel shall return, this, again prophetically speaking, they shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, that's speaking of Jesus, and they shall fear the Lord and His goodness in when? The latter days. In other words, God was speaking of a day that was to come. In a day that was to come, because you see, up until this time, Israel was under an old system, and it was under a system where they were seeking and trying to obey commandments, and the only thing that was on the mind of Israel under the law was that God was the kind of a God who was a God of terror. He's the kind of a God you want to stay away from. If you break His commandments, you get stoned. If you break His commandments, you will be killed. And so guess what? Under the law, under that system, the people said, I'll tell you what, we, we don't want that kind of a God. We don't need that kind of a God because, by the way, we break His laws. We got a human nature. We got a problem with sin. And so there was no goodness. There was no understanding of the faithfulness of God. But here Hosea has been spoken to by the Lord to go, and I says, I want you to go down. I want you to marry this prostitute. And what God is trying to do by making Hosea the message, he was the message, instead of just preaching the message, he goes and he demonstrates the faithfulness and the love of a woman, of a, of a God, of a husband, to a woman who has prostituted herself, forsaken her covenant, and God demonstrates that even though you broke your covenant, even though you've turned your back on me and have loved many lovers and you've sold yourself into a slave market to the point where you can't even save yourself, I want you to know, Israel, I haven't given up on you. I'm coming back and I'm going to buy you back. Can you imagine that? God bought back his own wife that was already his. He already, he didn't need, he shouldn't have had to buy her, but he bought her back even though she was already his wife. And yet he was willing to pay the price that you're worth it. I'm here to buy you back. I'm here to let you know that there's coming a day under a new king, under a new covenant, that you're going to fear me, you're going to return to me because of my goodness. How many of you know it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance? Now, I want to read something to you that I thought was interesting. I, I took this out of a, just a little a book uh, that I was reading about Hosea. because Listen to this. It says that concerning of this book, just making some comparisons in our own nation, it says, though the gauges of outward success seemed positive for Israel, underneath disaster was lurking. 
The people of this period enjoyed peace, plenty, prosperity, but anarchy was brewing, and it was uh, it would bring the political collapse of the nation in a few short years. Hosea described the characteristics, the social conditions of the day. Corrupt leaders, unstable family lives, widespread immorality, class hatred, poverty. Though people continued in a form of worship. Listen, back in the days of Hosea, people were coming to church. They are going to synagogues. They were going through the form, but they were going out stealing, killing, They were still immoral. They were cheating. There was no transformation. How many of you believe Christianity should bring transformation? Now, I'm not into behavioral changes and just preaching a message to change behavior. I do believe that our behavior and our lifestyle should change. But I believe it can only be done by the grace of God and by the blood of Jesus under the new covenant. And here we find that the people under an old system, a system that could not bring change. And it says, though the people continued in a form of worship and idolatries was more and more accepted and the priests were failing to guide the people into the ways of righteousness. In spite of the darkness of those days, Hosea still held out hope to inspire his people to turn back to God. Now, I want you to jump over with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to take the last few minutes because I believe... Actually, jump with me first all to Hebrews 11. I want to show you something. I forgot this one scripture. Listen to what God says about His own people in Hosea chapter 11, verse 7. It says, For my people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the Most High, none of them exalt Him. In other words, they give God lots of lip service, but they don't exalt them in their life. Then notice the Lord here in verse 8. How can I give you up, Ephraim or Israel? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adama? How can I set you like Zebium? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. I will not execute my fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Israel. For I am God and not man. The Holy One in your midst. I will not come with terror. Isn't that amazing what God says there? Now God did allow them to go through a season and the city did collapse and we know that there was judgment actually upon the city. Do do you know what causes nations to fall? Not God. It's sin. Sin is what brings catastrophe on. You know, I I really honestly get tired of people shaking their fist at God. God, why did you let this happen? God doesn't bring that. When we sin, when we separate ourselves, we bring it on ourselves. Now, I understand disaster and things can come upon even righteous. Good things can happen to even good, good people. Bad things can happen to good people. But even in those seasons, my Bible says that he that dwelleth under the, the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Most High. My Bible says, though you walk through the fire, I'll be with you. There's times where we do walk through seasons and and it's through the fire, the Bible says, through the fire of affliction have I refined and purified you. 
There's seasons that where the Lord deals with us, and we may go through a season where we, we suffer some setbacks and even potential losses. But it, even through then, God promises to bring you out. I, like, I, love, I love reading the story of Job. The Bible says God gave to Job twice as much as he had before. That's what happens to the righteous. God will never forsake the righteous, nor his seed beg for bread. Jump over with me into Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to see something because everything is based on the blood of Jesus under a new covenant. Remember, Israel had succumbed to a life of spiritual prostitution. What does prostitution mean? Prostitution means that someone is making an exchange. You're making an exchange. It means you are giving something up so that you can get something in return. But what you're really doing is you're selling yourself out. You're selling the very last, the very best. You sell your dignity. You sell your own character. You, you surrender yourself for something in return that will hopefully bring some kind of meaning or satisfaction. But it always leaves you empty. That's what sin does. Sin never takes you to a place where you're blessed. Sin takes you down in a pit. It takes you in a hole. It takes you into a place where you become a slave to the very thing that you thought would give you peace. That you thought would give you satisfaction. I don't know about you folks, but even in Pastor Ray's life, even in my life, there have been at times where I prostituted myself by believing a lie. But I'm so grateful for the message of Hosea, when I gave up on myself, God did not give up. And it means that God kept going after His wife. He kept coming. And He's coming to His people even today. Powerful picture of His grace and a powerful per- picture of the prophetic. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 says, For the law having shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of things can never of, with these sacrifices which they offered continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then they would not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it was not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. That was the failure of the Old Covenant. It was not possible that your mind could be cleansed from the consciousness of sin. That was the Old Covenant. And secondly, it was not possible for you to be purified. Jump over with me to Hebrews chapter 8. I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7. I know I'm taking you through some Scriptures, but I'm laying a very important foundation to our understanding of the blood of Jesus. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, remember, God said under the old covenant, That's why he told Gomer to go out and marry a prostitute because God found fault with them because they could not keep the law. 
He said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not, everyone say they did not, continue in my covenant. And I discarded them, says the Lord. Verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, that I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Listen, listen. The new covenant means that I'm not responsible for changing myself. His blood does that. The blood has the power to change my nature. How many of you know, once you stop trying to change yourself and let Him change you, it just is so much better. Now, I do believe we do need to surrender to Him. We need to look to the Lord and trust Him. But it's He who has the power to change you. The Bible says that I will put my laws into their hearts. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none shall say to his brother, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. Look to your neighbor right now and say, You know the Lord. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, You know the Lord. <laughs> the Bible says, You know him. Remember what Philip asked Jesus when he said one day, He said to Jesus, He said, Jesus, show us the Father. Philip says, You have no need of that. He says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know Him. Folks, we need to start confessing, I know the Lord. I know Him. You don't have to stop. Well, Lord, I've been wondering, where are you? I can't find... God's right there. My Bible says that because of the blood of Jesus, our bodies have been bought. We've been redeemed. Do you know the word redeem means to be purchased from the slave market. That's where the word redeem comes from. To purchase out of slavery. Gomer had sold herself as a prostitute into sin for so long that she was not even sellable anymore. So she sold herself as a slave into permanent slavery. And then when she was at that rock bottom, then God says to Hosea, now go and buy her back again. That is a very powerful illustration of God's grace and love. You might have, I, I don't think anybody here, and if you have, praise God, His mercy is great, but I want to tell you, we serve a God who's trying to let us know that the power of His grace is strong enough to change any condition you've ever lived or come through. And we need to start acknowledging, I know the Lord. I know Him. Do you know why you know Him? Because He knows you. And because the blood of Jesus is sufficient. And notice what else He says here. Some powerful promises. And you shall know Me from the least of them to the greatest. And I will be merciful. You know what? I have a little granddaughter. And i got a grandson too. But you know what? I, the other day, uh, we were in the hospital or, uh, some months ago. And David and Kim are teaching their little granddaughter to pray. And I got a picture on my cell phone. And she's already laying hands on the sick and praying for people. Amen. Do you know from the least to the greatest, we need to teach our children how to pray. And help them understand that there's power in their prayer. 
It's powerful. It's awesome. And so, from the least to the greatest. And he says, And I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Everyone say no more. And he said, This is the new covenant he has made with... And, and made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Jump down with me to chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ came as our high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, but that is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, which could not take away sins, but with His own blood... He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkling of the unclean sanctifies for the peering of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience. I want everyone to say that. Cleanse your conscience. Say it again. Cleanse your conscience. Whatever you did yesterday is cleansed. Whatever you did a year ago is cleansed. Whatever you did ten years is cleansed. Now I'm going to stretch another one on you. This, whatever you do tomorrow is cleansed. Whatever you do next year is already cleansed. Do you know the blood of Jesus is taking care of past present, and future sins. He wants you to understand that that blood has put inside of you a new DNA. You are now a son and not a slave. You are now a wife and not a prostitute. You belong to the Lord. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. I'm so excited. I am no longer going to allow Satan to sit on my shoulder and say, All right, but what about that? All right, what about that? What if, what if everybody only knew what you really were? You know, a lot of people listen to the devil because they don't know the word. They don't know the voice of the enemy. If you don't know the word of the Lord, you don't recognize the voice of Satan and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because the word of the Lord, the Bible says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He's going to, he's going to speak of me. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. Jump with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeated the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after He had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till His enemies are made His footstool. For by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. I want everyone to say this by faith. I am perfected. Forever. And I am being sanctified. He completed a perfect work in your life. You are perfectly saved. 
in Christ. Now some of you say, well, pastor, I still struggle with temptations and I, I still wrestle with my flesh. Yes, we still live in a body that is corrupt, but the sin nature, the, 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 to, to be prone to sin has been destroyed. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Everyone say, shall not. The Bible says, by the way, folks, I'm just reading the Bible. Sin shall not have. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has washed and cleansed my conscience from all sin. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. His blood is so powerful that it not only breaks the curse of the thought, of the imagination, it not only destroys what the onslaughts of every allegation that your parents, your friends, or even what Satan has tried to breathe down your neck. It destroys every lie, everything that you have lived under all your life that is limited, has kept you under the powers of darkness. The blood of Jesus has broken that and has raised you, seated with you. And the Bible says, and even now you are glorified in Christ. He did not just lift you, raise you, but it says He is glor- you are now glorified with Him. And you know why you need to be glorified? Because in your glorified place of faith and victory, it's what makes you the light of the world. People want to know that I no longer have to be a slave to sin. I'm, no, I'm not a prostitute. I'm not sold into sin. Uh, you, let me tell you what a prostitute is. A prostitute is a person who has given up. And they say, I'll, I'll never ch- I can't change. I can't break out of this. That's the mind of a slave as a prostitute. You've given up. You've given in to something that, that the enemy has breathed a lie on you. And we need to come back. I love to come back to the book of Hosea. I love to come back to the blood of Jesus. My Bible says He cleanses me from the consciousness of sin. And it says, verse 15, But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after He had said, This is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, saith the Lord, that I will put My laws again into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. And then He adds... Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. This is the third time in the book of Hebrews God says, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Everyone say no more. more. That means, listen, that means you do not have any right to ever raise up someone else's fault to them. I remember when my wife and I, we were first married. You know what I I, I love to do when I was first married with my wife back well, actually, I shouldn't even say when I was first married, even throughout my marriage. There would be times when my wife and I would get into it, and I'd like to raise up the past and let her know what she used to do. You know what? I was just falling right in the path of being the devil. I, the, the devil was using me to bring condemnation on my wife. And how many of you know that is just not God? That's ungodly, and I was being used, and I had to repent, and I had to go back to my wife and say, Carol... I said some things about the past I should have never said. I was wrong. 
you're a child of God, and from now on, I will honor you as my wife, and I honor you as a child of God. You're an awesome woman. I had to change my language. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. Praise God. I had to change my thinking. Let me tell you something. To the level you are living, to the level of victory or defeat you are living at, will be the level of victory or defeat you will speak on other people. If you are living on a level of guilt and condemnation, guess what? You're going to find yourself being critical with everybody else. The Bible says in Titus 1, it says, to those who are pure and holy is nothing. Uh, uh, To those who are pure and clean are all things pure. But to those who are unbelieving and defiled is nothing pure. I find that people who love to call other people liars usually have a problem with lying themselves. People that have the problem usually tend through their lens to think other people are bad when they themselves got the problem. That's why when the blood of Jesus begins to purify your spirit, guess what happens? you start having a different lens and you start seeing people with a better lens and you begin to see them in a far more positive outlook than a negative outlook. Because you, you are now living from a position of victory rather than from a position of defeat. When the Lord began to show me that Ray Galligan is no longer an orphan, no longer a slave, no longer a victim, no longer living like a prostitute, sold into a certain way of living, a certain way of thinking thinking that I'm just the victim all the time, because that's the way a prostitute... I'm a victim. And the only way I can get ahead is I've got to exchange my honor and my dignity to just get a morsel. Just get something to get by. That's the mind of a slave. But when you've been raised and placed and seated with Christ in heavenly places, and God begins to cover your nakedness and wash your feet and begins to put clothes of righteousness and clothe you like a king, you begin to recognize the wealth and the riches you have, and guess what? You begin to see others that can have that same potential. And you bring healing. While in in the book of Hosea, men wanted to use Gomer, wanted to buy her to use her but Jesus came and bought her to heal her God has come to buy you out to heal you not to use and abuse you he's come to renew our minds this morning why is this so important why is understanding the blood of the new covenant so important notice what he says this is where it's getting verse 19 Hebrews chapter 10 therefore brethren having boldness everyone say boldness Boldness. I want, I want to also add another word, bold. Besides boldness, I want to say freedom. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I believe God wants to get new life loosened up. We're going to be dancing and praising the Lord and celebrating some of you guys. Amen. You just kind of sit there like toad and poles on Sunday. God wants to loosen you up and dance. David danced before the Lord with all of his mighty... Now, we're not going to take our clothes off, but... but uh, David was rejoicing before the Lord. He says, man, you think you've seen anything? I will be more undignified than this. 
It wasn't because David was king or rich or wealthy. or because It was because he was rejoicing that the presence, the Ark of the Covenant was coming back. God was saying, David, I'm here to bless. I'm here to show you my goodness. I'm here to magnify my glory in you, David, because you're a man after my own heart. You're a man who has a heart after God. You're a man who's moved from just shepherding the sheep in the back of a sheep, and I brought you to becoming a king. David is an example of what God wants to do with all of his people. He wants you to think like kings. He wants you to think and understand that. He says, I've given you boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood, by a new and a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Can you say amen? Last scripture, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Notice what it says, chapter, four, chapter 2, verse 4. Coming to him as the living stones, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, you also are living stones to be built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. It's not, again, by works. But these sacrifices are birthed. They're, 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 they come from that relationship. That comes from that understanding of what the blood of Jesus does. And it says going on down here. <clears throat> verse 6, Therefore it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion the chief cornerstone, elect and precious. And he who believes on Him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore to you, who believe He is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone who the builders rejected, He has become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Because their eyes are blinded. They stumble, being disobedient to the Word to which they were appointed. But you, everyone say me, me. but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. Everyone say, I am special. I'm special. Bought with the blood of the special people. I'm a holy nation. I'm a royal priesthood. That means God has given me access right into His presence that you may proclaim the praises of Him. God wants His people to be noisy, radical, and excited about Him. He says, I made you precious. I called you out. I brought you in that you might declare and proclaim His goodness. God didn't call you so you just kind of sit there and look nice. No, He called you so you could proclaim His goodness. I love what Smith Wigglesworth used to say. He says, a man who's on fire of God has a shout. They have a shout. They shout. And there's a something about a man who knows who he is. I'm special. I'm a priesthood. I'm a chosen generation to proclaim his praises who's called us out of darkness, who was once not a people... But now we are the people of God who did not obtain mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> That's what the blood of Jesus, it cleanses our conscience. 
The blood of Jesus makes you an overcomer. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us the right, the power, and the endurance to stand. We stand complete in Him today. You know, let me just say one thing about the blood. The blood of Jesus is the greatest weapon you have to face when Satan comes in like a flood. It's the blood of Jesus that testifies that you belong to Jesus. And guess what? Satan cannot touch what belongs to God. You belong to Him. You belong to Him. But you know what? I need to ask myself this question. Have I really accepted all that the blood of Jesus offers? Because God still puts a responsibility on you to make a decision. If I, I, I can reject. Do you know there are, the Bible talks about blood rejectors? You can reject the blood of Jesus. Even though the blood has already washed you from your sins. But you can reject it. Or you can accept it. Say, Father, I, I receive this morning. I receive the gift of righteousness and the riches of your grace. I receive that. You know, God can take a prostitute. God can take a person who's come out of, of a real bad lifestyle. God can transform that person and bring them and make them a beautiful bride. And that's what God intended for us to understand. Doesn't matter where your background is, God's blood. There's so much power in the blood to renew your life and bring you into a place where the Bible says that His glory rests upon you. His glory, His smile is upon you. Amen? I want you to bow your heads this morning. I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying something at New Life. And He's saying, I want my people to recognize that I have made something very special for them. They are my own special people. You are wonderful. You're beautiful in His sight. He's come to take you out of a lifestyle, if there's been any lifestyle of sin or slavery, if you've limited yourself or you feel like you've, you've done some things that you're ashamed of, right now this morning, the Lord is saying, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you with a voice, a word of hope. And it's that goodness, it's His mercy that leads us to repentance. It leads us to change. You can't change yourself. You surrender yourself to the One who can change you. Maybe you'd say this morning, you know, Pastor Ray, I know the Lord wants to lift my vision, lift my eyes, lift my heart. And I need to, I need to release the guilt. I need to release some shame out of my life. And I, I want to take hold of the mercy of the Lord. He says that there's mercy there. He says that I'm to come boldly to the throne of grace in the time I need. I need to come. I need to change, make some shifts and changes in the way I think. I need to recognize myself as a son and as a daughter. A, a one who is walking with a new covenant mindset instead of an old covenant mindset. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. Anyone? Pastor, I've just been wrestling with an old covenant mindset. I've been under a performance mode. I've been trying to do things in my own strength. If that's you, can I see your hand? Anyone else? Anyone else? Just wrestling with that mindset, okay? I see your hand. Amen. Father, I just pray right now for these people. Lord, all of us have wandered in our own way, and there have been times where we've struggled in our own strength, and we've tried to perform. We've tried to do things. 
And Lord, we've even had at times a wrong view. Our minds and our hearts have not been right. We've tried to change ourselves without really leaning and trusting in You, what You've done for us already. So Lord, today, we come to the foot of the cross. And Lord, we just pray right now that the blood of Jesus would just kind of renew us, wash us, Father. Father, we thank You, Lord, that You've already called us Your own special people. You've already called us, Lord, a chosen generation. Lord, help me to change my vocabulary. Lord, help me to see my wife, my husband, my children through the lens of the redeemed. Help me, Lord, to walk with a new DNA, a child of God. Lord, I'm no longer a slave, but I'm a son. I'm a son of the King. I'm I'm a King, Lord, of the King of Kings. Father, we thank You for what You're doing in our life. You're causing us, Lord, to break old wineskins. Lord, You're shaping us. You're renewing us, Lord. We give You the highest praise. And everyone said, Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Praise God. How many of you know there's power in the blood of Jesus? Amen. The blood of Jesus has destroyed the curse. And you are a new creature. And my Bible says that all things pass away and all things have become new. Amen? Amen. You're going to go out of here and you're going to see yourself in a new light. You're going to go out of here realizing, you know what, I've got a future and there's a purpose for my life. You're going out of here this morning with a prophetic voice. You make a difference. You're not just the same old gal, the same old guy. You're a woman, a man and woman of God. By the way, I am so proud of you. The Lord is proud of you. He looks at you with pride and He loves you. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm proud of you too. Amen. Give them a hug. God bless you. You have an awesome day. If any of you would like prayer, feel free to come. Be blessed in the Lord. We love you today. God bless you.